Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This powerful word from St. Paul in our second reading this morning. To preach the gospel is one of the main purposes and missions of the church. Christ established his church, the body of believers, to proclaim the good news. That's what it means to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news. Mark's gospel, which we're reading this year, begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was kind of a thumb in the eye to the leaders of the time. Because whenever an emperor or a king or some military conquest had happened, they would return to their village or their town or their city, proclaiming the good news that such and such country or village or town had been conquered. It was a victory cry to proclaim the good news. It also was an announcement that the king was coming to visit the particular locality. But to proclaim the good news, to preach the message. St. Paul says this is what he was sent for. And woe to him if he does not preach it. My friends, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as baptized and confirmed members of his church, we too have been given this same mission. We too must preach the gospel. We must proclaim the good news. In season and out of season. When it's fun and when it's not fun. This is the mission of the church. This is your mission. And we share the mission of Jesus Christ. Let us go on to nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. To proclaim the good news. You know, when we get an A on our test or we get a promotion at work or something exciting happens in our, in our life, we share the good news. And so when we use that word in our normal lexicon, it kind of can diminish the news of the gospel. So some would say we should call it the great news or the extraordinary news. But what is this good news? I mean, good news is only good news if there's bad news. If not, it's just regular news. So to understand the power of the gospel, the, the gospel which overwhelmed the early church, had caused radical conversions and let men go to their death for the sake of the gospel, because it overturned the bad news. And that bad news we saw on display from our first reading from, the, from Job. You need to know the whole story of Job. We don't have time this morning. So maybe that's your homework this week. So go and read the story of Job. And this relationship between sin and suffering. Or maybe the lack of relationship between sin and suffering. But what we heard in the passage we have today, we get a glimpse of what it's like when God removes his favor from his people. We get a glimpse of what it's like to live in sin. Is man's life not a drudgery? 
My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, which is how they made linens and cloths, and this thing just went back and forth, just numb, mind-numbing monotony of back-and-forthness. Is that what life is like? They come to an end without hope. My life is like the wind. It just passes and it goes. I shall not see happiness again. This is the experience that Job had when God removed his favor. And this is the state of each one of us outside of a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we are called and sent to preach the good news, we need to know the reality in which we're preaching. But that's not the beginning. The beginning is the best news, that God loves you. And out of act of sheer goodness, God, who is complete and total in himself, out of an act of love and goodness, created all that there is, so that he could share his life with you. So God loves you. He desires to share his life with you. He has a plan for your life, and that plan is for goodness. This is what the beginning pages of Genesis teach us. But like on page three is when the evil one enters the conversation. He doesn't get Adam and Eve to doubt that God exists. He gets them to doubt God's plan for their life is for one of goodness. And that doubt led to sin. And that sin led to separation. The separation, the drudgery, the hopelessness that Job was feeling. And so this is the state of the world. This is the state of creation without Jesus. And there is no hope. Job was correct. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. And so those of us who are believers, those of us who come to worship the one true God around the holy altar, we need to have complete and utter confidence that I'm dead without Jesus Christ. And unless I daily surrender my life to him, I have no hope. This is the proclamation of the gospel, that God created you out of love and desires to share his life with you. But sin separates us, separated you from him. And the only way to reconcile is through Jesus Christ. And so as St. Paul tells us in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman, his son, Jesus Christ, who is like us in all things but sin took on the weight of sin. And as he went about doing good, proclaiming the good news, proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, inviting people to follow him into a life of radical discipleship, teaching them what it means to be in relationship with the Father, teaching them how to share the good news, how to share intimate life with God the Father and Jesus his Son through the Holy Spirit. And then one day he told them, he told one of them in particular that we heard about today, Simon, you will be Peter. You are Peter. You are the rock. And on you I find my church. I build my church. I establish my body of believers on you. 
Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. The gates of hell will never prevail against this church. And then as Christ went to the cross carrying the weight of our sin out of sure love, love leads to suffering and love knows no end. And so we look upon the crucifix and we see what love did to God for three days. And on the third day he rose and showed them and shows us what is our destiny that we will rise to new life if we surrender our life to him. And so then we have the Acts of the Apostles, which teaches us what the early church believed and how they lived and what they proclaimed and what they were willing to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the Old Testament gives us instruction and admonition and a warning to come back when we stray too far. We need Jesus Christ and we need his church. And we see this also in a snapshot in the gospel today. As we've heard the last few weeks, Jesus is exercising demons. Those people who were in the stronghold of Satan, the stronghold of devil. With one word, Jesus rebuked them, get out. And they left him. And now he goes to the home of Simon. And this woman is a sign of us all. Each one of us. Laying sick with a fever. Laying sick with sin. Unable to do anything until Christ comes. And it touches her. And it raises her up. And she begins the good work. We receive that touch of Jesus through the sacraments that he founded in his holy Catholic church. So we need Jesus Christ. We're hopelessly dead without him. But the way that we come to him, the way that we encounter him, the way that we receive his mercy, his grace, his love, is through the touch of these sacraments. The first one, of course, is baptism, which rescues us from the dead and rises us to new life in Christ. And from that moment on, we are never the same. What St. Peter tells us, we become partakers, sharers of the divine nature. We are put back to where we should have been from the very beginning. That the grace, the life of God that we lost in the garden is brought back to us through the waters of baptism. And when we sin mortally and we kill that life within us, we go to confession and we are restored. Confirmation seals us with the powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit so that the fullness of God's life can be active in our lives. We are nourished and strengthened and restored by the Holy Eucharist. When we are sick and we are failing, We are anointed by the holy oils and the prayers and brought back to life. And then many of us discern the married life or the the priesthood, the diaconate. And we are ordained to serve this church, this body of believers. But it's through the healing touch of Jesus through her sacraments that Mother Church 
enables us to live this life. St. Paul had a radical conversion. St. Luke tells us three times in the Acts of the Apostles about this encounter that St. Paul had with Jesus. And that moment changed his life forever. That moment gave him the words we had today. Woe to me if I don't preach this good news. For I was dead in my sin and now I'm alive. And this is the invitation for each one of you. To know your Paul story. To know the story. That God created you for good. But sin separated you and Jesus brought you back. And now you have an opportunity, you have the invitation to respond to Christ, to Christ's love. You can say yes to this invitation of radical discipleship. To no longer live for the things that this world promises us, anything, but we know it's only leading to death. You have an invitation to leave it all behind. And like St. Paul and all the great saints, to follow Christ. Because as St. Paul says at the end, all this I do for the sake of the gospel so that I too may have a share in it. St. Paul lived his life to share the gospel. What are you living for?